What Patriots are you downgrading if Tom Brady hits the road? Is A.J. Green destined to be a non-Bengal in 2020? And can a draft bust be the better choice at wideout over a major draft hit this past season? Plus, the 2019-2020 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge third runner-up, Stephen Rannigan, is here to discuss Le'Veon Bell, Alshon Jeffrey, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Stephen Rannigan is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Everybody, if you got what it takes, cause I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations to each and every one of you, Balkaholics, Anger, Zach, and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. However, we have a very special co-host in on to co-host tonight. He is a two-time overall winner in the fantasy football industry. He's been playing fantasy sports for a little over a decade now, recently finished fourth place in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, off and on a DFS player, and a winner of nearly a half a million dollars over the past 14 months. Uh, months, excuse me. He's here to tell us uh, how we did it tonight. Please welcome the pride of Massachusetts. It's Stephen Rannigan. Stephen, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Eric, how you doing? A pleasure to be on. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you coming on. You know, I feel like we've exchanged so many emails over the, the last decade or so, and, and it's a shame that it's, it's taken so long to get you on tonight. But here you are uh, celebrating uh, a banner uh, last 14, 15 months uh, or so, you know, celebrating uh, almost a half million dollars in prizes. Has it sunk in yet? Has all those, you know, I know we're, 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 we're talking about the, the playoff challenge tonight where you were the, the third runner-up, almost won the, the $500,000, but has it sunk in winning all these prizes over the last 14 months yet? Yeah, yeah, it's just starting to sink in. Um, you know, like you said, it's been kind of an amazing, um, you know, year and a half or so, just, um, you know, um, you know, getting up to the top of these leaderboards and things like that. It's been pretty exciting. Um, yeah, just, um, you know, I feel like one of them's feeding off, you know, the next one, you know, and just kind of gaining more confidence. And, um, you know, like I said, I think they're just sort of feeding off one another. So it's been, uh, it's been great, you know. That's, a, yeah, that's awesome. We are definitely going to get into more of that tonight. We're going to talk about your big wins. We're going to take a look towards the goings-on in the 2020 FFPC early drafts and much more. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Facebook.com slash Hour is where to get hold of us. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. If you want to give us a call, talk to me and Stephen tonight, that'd be great. Hi, Football at gmail.com is the email address to get a hold of. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, the tweets and the emails, and the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Our producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer, and my best friend Bryce are monitoring those tonight, and uh, we'll try to get to all of them tonight. So, you know, this is the time. We're, we're in late February. Fantasy football has not peaked yet, obviously. We're, we're kind of in the midst of FFPC drafting season as far as the best ball goes. Um, but uh, if you want to get your questions answered, definitely now is the time to send those emails in. Big announcement with the FFPC today. Best ball slim leagues are announced. So that they're announced, they're launched. You can uh, sign up for them at myffpc.com. 18 round drafts, no kickers, no defenses. 
Um, and uh, the standard FFPC starting lineup. So definitely check those out. Register for those today. You can jump in those. And obviously, our traditional FFPC best balls also active at myffpc.com. You can sign up for those at the $35, $77, and $250 levels. Don't forget the FFPC main event early bird is open right now. You can save uh, $100 off your uh, initial squad, $400 off each initial team as you try to um, uh, get, um, compete for that $500,000 grand prize that we're going to award at the end of the 2020 season. And plenty of Dynasty Orphans also available right now, myffpc.com. Plenty of good ones out there, too. A lot of good discounted prices. So if you've been thinking about jumping in and making the switch to Dynasty or adding on some Dynasty teams to your FFPC portfolio, uh, a lot of good options for you right now. I invite you to check that out at myffpc.com. All right, let's get into tonight's interview with Stephen Rannigan. Stephen, uh, we're going to get into the fantasy football portion of the show shortly, but can you tell the listeners when you are not dominating all these national contests as you have been over the last past 18 months. Can you tell us what you're doing for a living? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, I work as a uh, information security architect, um, you know, typically for like, you know, banks, governments, things like that. So basically just securing, um, you know, different assets that companies may have. So, um, you know, it's a pretty meaningful job. I enjoy it. And, um, you know, it's quite analytical and things like that. So I think sometimes it crosses over a little bit to, you know, some of the sports analytics and things like that. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely a very rewarding job. And, um, you know, I've been doing it for about probably 20 years or so. So I'm pretty well into it by now. So it's good. So so not only is there a crossover of skills there with fantasy football, it obviously gives you the freedom to draft a lot of teams as you as you have been doing over the last few years too. It's a good – it's a good – compliment uh, as far as work goes to your fantasy football career as well yeah no absolutely it's um it's definitely um you know it's definitely been been good to um you know utilize some of those skills um you know i will say you know that your your site ffpc it's uh, you know you've definitely you know had a lot of new enhancements over the past three or four years they've definitely helped for you know just um you know doing things like free agents and things like that so you know, I think, you know, in that respect, you know, I think, you know, you folks are like the best out there for that, that UI and, um, you know, just, you know, the ease of use and everything and the look, you know, the look and feel and, you know, things like that. So, you know, that matters when you're drafting and you're doing free agents and things like that. So, um, you know, I think it's been great, you know, as far as that goes too. You are too kind, my friend. We're always trying to get better incrementally uh, each and every season. So, so thank you. That, that uh, obviously means a lot. I want to congratulate you, number one on uh, finishing near the top of the heap in the 2019-2020 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. Fourth place overall, third runner-up, nice $12,500 payday. I know where you're hoping for more. You were in the, you, you were, um, um, in the running for much more as, as well in that competition. Um, and I'm going to bring up, and just, just so, the, so the listeners uh, are aware of, of, what your, uh, of what your squad was, um, that, yeah. that ended up taking fourth place. The quarterback was Patrick Mahomes. At running back, you had Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Raheem Mostert, and Derrick Henry. So you went with the four running backs. Uh, wide receivers were DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins there. Uh, tight end was Mark Andrews. He had Stephen Hauschka, the kicker from Buffalo, and then obviously the New England Patriots defense uh, as well. So I, I know you had a top 10 finish in the FFPC divisional challenge as well. Can you tell us a little bit about specifically in this in the original playoff challenge how you sort of formulated this lineup how you how you came to to uh, settling on this specific one for this entry? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I you know I think in doing you know like a you know like a few teams really I thought you know the two that I really liked were um, obviously Lamar Jackson like most people and then uh, you know I really thought I thought that Mahomes could could get there if things worked out the right way right you see sometimes you know, in the playoffs year by year, you see some of these teams get knocked out. So, um, you know, I thought really, I thought, Hey, you know, if, if the Ravens get knocked out, you know, that's a clear path from Holmes, you know, and I think, I think a lot of people were down on them at that time. So I, you know, my, you know, I think my thinking was kind of a little bit from a DFS perspective to kind of say, Hey, look, I think, you know, probably not as many people will have such a talented QB as that. So I thought, you know, you know, I'll kind of, um, you know, sort of position myself, you know, with those two players, right? So, obviously, you know, not uh, <laughs> two pretty good ones to sort of position yourself with, I think. Um, and then definitely as far as the – sorry, go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Finish your thoughts, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you, you know, I think you brought up a good point, you know, with some of the running backs. I just, you know, I sort of thought, you know, sometimes, you know, in some of the playoffs games, you know, it, it really depends on, like, the game script, I think, too, where, um, you know, I find some of these playoff games where, you know, they played a little bit closer to the vest, right? So that tends to favor some of the running backs, right? So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's hard to predict that ahead of time, right? But you really feel like, hey, you know, if these games go, you know, you know the way that I envision them, right? Um, you know, the, you know, the, I think the running backs, you know, could be more involved. So that was definitely part of, uh, you know, some of my thinking there. And then, um, you know, I really wasn't very high on the Patriots myself, um, uh, you know, and I really didn't like them this year. So I thought, hey, you know, their defense would be, be really good. But I think, you know, what really cost me and, you know, not being able to move even further up, I think it was, you know, with that kicker and defense selection, really, I kind of didn't, didn't maximize it. And I think that's, I think that's one of the hardest parts of the contest. It really, you know, when I sit down and I pick these, I really, I sort of agonize over what I'm going to do with my strategy with this. So I think that's a sign of a, of a really good contest. The contest is unbelievable. It's a, you know, great, great structured and, and, you know, simple in some ways too, right? But it's like, you know, once you get more into it and you really kind of want to move up there, right, you know, you got to, you know, there's, there's, you know, sort of multiple trains of thought, I think. All right, so a couple of questions right off the top of the bat when I hear your analysis of how you put this, this squad together. Um, you talked about running backs and the importance of running backs and the importance of game script. Talk a little bit about why the decision for you when it, when it came, to, came down to New Orleans Saints, why did you go with Alvin Kamara over Michael Thomas, a guy who definitely was, was a favorite among a lot of people in this competition. Why did you go Kamara over Thomas? Yeah, I guess I really was thinking, um, you know, that he'd be so heavily owned, really. I just, I really was just, I, I almost didn't really want to part of that because I just really felt like, you know, to, uh, I guess I felt like they could match each other, you know, and if, if one was going to, um, you know, make more of a difference, you know, as, you know, as the contest moved through, it, it would probably be Kamara. But, I mean, it's really a toss-up, right? You know, and, and again, that's what I said. I think some of, you know, some of the teams, right, you really just, you, you know, it's basically, you know, almost a toss-up with two or three of the teams that I saw. And, you know, I think we'll get to a point. I, I actually heard you on uh, talking with Howard Bender, you know, talking about the San Francisco pick, about how, you know, you had, you know, discussed that with some folks and thought, you know, that really, you know, was going to be the pivotal team to decide who to take. And, and that actually really helped me quite a bit, actually, you know, in picking uh, some of this, uh, that analysis and, you know, in your comments with, um, you know, Howard. Um, so that that's just a little thought on that. You know, what's funny about that is, is uh, you know, we were talking about that on, on the Fantasy Alarm with Howard. And, and one of the reasons I brought that up was because I was talking with Mike Pareko, who actually won the 2019 FFPC main event uh, this past year, the half million dollars. And I was talking with him because I know he's played in the playoff challenge before. And he said he thought the key would be San Francisco. And one of the guys we kept saying over and over and over again is, why not Raheem Mostert? Why not uh, the, the running back that conceivably could run all over the teams that they play in the playoffs, and certainly they did in both Minnesota and Green Bay to get to the Super Bowl. And he had a, a, a decent showing uh, against Kansas City, too. Uh, even though they, they didn't come up uh, with the win, he certainly put out a, a big effort there. So I, I think Mostert was, was huge, and, and that's something we'll definitely look at in years to come. You are in uh, the, the heart of, of, uh, of New England, uh, Stephen. You said you didn't like the yep. Patriots this past year. Tell us a little bit why you didn't like the Patriots advancing and whether you think that the Patriots might be on the downturn in 2020 uh, as far as fantasy football drafts go as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think some of the people that know me around here will probably laugh at this. I've, ne- I've never really been a huge Patriots fan, um, just, you know, for various reasons. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I probably won't get into it. I won't bore you with it. But I mean, especially this year, I felt like, um, you know, I felt the defense had like a really nice schedule and that, that was kind of the key, you know, that I was focusing on, like from a macro perspective, I guess. And, um, you know, a lot of their position players, I just really wasn't into, um, you know, I think some years they get into the playoffs and they really, they really benefit from like a much softer schedule. And I know some of these, these differences are somewhat minor, but when you have some of these advantages, that stuff adds up, right? You know, when you're winning games by a field goal or you're able to rest bodies for like two weeks as opposed to a week and things like that. So, um, you know, I just, especially with them sort of, I think, on the downturn, as you mentioned, 
I just really wasn't high on many of their position players this year. Um, you know, there are some at times, you know, that I'll uh, gravitate towards to if I see, you know, just different things that I like for different reasons. Um, but I definitely do see them, um, you know, on a downturn. And obviously real football and fantasy football, they're two different things, right? Um, you know, um, you know they, they still could do well. But really from a, fan, from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, I just think the way that, you know, Belichick sort of runs the um, – you know, sort of has oversight, I guess, over the offense is a better thing to say. You know, um, you know, I think, you know, obviously Josh McDaniels is running most of it, but it's just sort of, you know, it's really about spreading um, spreading the ball around, spreading the offense out, sort of some of that, like, quasi, like, West Coast stuff. Um, you know, it just really, you know, really doesn't benefit, you know, um, you know, someone who you'd want in fantasy that, you know, really kind of, you know, can get that volume, right? And, you know, the, you know like I said, I think there are some exceptions, but um, – you know, I think that's, you know, you know, as a rule, you know, something to look at as far as that team goes, I would say. I let, let's, I, I just want to jump ahead very briefly. We're going to get back to your success uh, in season long here over the last couple of years, but Tom Brady is a free agent. We know he's going to meet with, with uh, a bunch of teams in the NFL that are looking for a starting quarterback. If he does indeed leave New England and they have a new quarterback this year, are you downgrading just as a result all of the Patriots on that offense as far as fantasy drafts go this season? Or is there somebody that you think can retain value uh, and hold value or maybe have his value increased regardless of who the quarterback will be for the New England Patriots this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 a little tough to say, but I mean, you know, like if I broke it down position by position, you know, if you look at the tight end, obviously you don't know who's going to be in there yet. Right. So, and then when you look at wide receivers, you know, it's like Brady's never been able to really get on the same page with a lot of those wide receivers, right. For whatever reason, you know, whether it's the, the system or, you know, he likes them, you know, to run a route. And if it's off by half a step, you know, he's yelling at them and their confidence wanes and things like that. So, I mean, obviously you have Edelman and things like that, but I mean, I, I tend to think he gets overdrafted at times, um, you know, and then obviously you have, you know, kicker and things like that, you know, where that, you know, that could be, you know, viable. And obviously I think the defense, um, you know, in certain years is very playable. Um, you know, Brady, I think is like really, you know, really hasn't been a fantasy presence maybe for six or eight years or um, something along that timeline. And I do think, um, you know, at times the running back, you know, you can kind of, you know, get some value out of that. But I think, um, you know, uh, you know, you know they, they're losing their offensive line coach uh, this year. So, and it's, you know, I think like he's not as well known around the country as uh, Dante Skarnecki. And he, I think that has a big effect on a lot of things. I think it has a big effect on the protection and things like that. But it'd be interesting to see like what the offensive line um, coach, you know, what type of style he's, he's ran and things like that. So um, I, I really don't think much is there, but I think, you know, at times, you know, um, you know, there could be, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it does. It absolutely does. And and the one player I want to I want to ask you about that you actually brought up is Julian Edelman right now in FFPC best ball drafts. He is going off as the 705 pick, mid 7th round right now as the 30th receiver off the board and the four receivers going directly in front of him, Debo Samuel, Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin and T.Y. Hilton, and then obviously Julian Edelman in the mid 7th. Does that seem like a good buy to you right now, Stephen, where where you would be be willing to take a chance on Edelman, or does that still seem too high? I I think that's fairly priced. Um, for me, that's that's not somewhere I'd go really. But um, I do think it's fairly priced just because you know he can be impactful. Um, but I just think there's so many unknowns really. With you know, I think Brady's completion percentage dropped like lower than it has in history and things like that. I mean. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's a great receiver, but I mean, you know, he does benefit a little bit from volume too. So I think it goes back to sort of, you know, what are the pieces going to be in play there? And I think eventually they're going to start, you know, trying to, um, you know, preserve him a little bit, you know, I mean, I would, but, um, you know, I could see that, you know, kind of in the future, but I mean, you know, I, I've never been, been big on him from a fantasy perspective. So I think in the future, you know, he, you know, for me, I would pass, but from looking at it from a pure value standpoint, I would say that it's fairly priced from a market perspective, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. I think the other thing to keep in mind is Julian Edelman, nobody's ever really drafted him for his ceiling necessarily. I mean, they draft him for, for the comfortability, you know, the, the fact that you know yep. kind of what you're getting in him and, uh, and that he usually performs at that level. Now, another thing to keep in mind, this dude's going to turn 34 years old before the start of next season, so he's getting a little long in the tooth, and we consider it his potential quarterback also being even more longer in the tooth. I, I think you can, you can definitely shoot for the moon and go with a younger guy like Debo Samuel, like Terry McLaurin there, uh, and, and hope for better things. I want to get back to your success uh, in, in the last couple of years. A pair of $200,000 grand prizes. Congratulations to you on that. That has been awesome. You. you know, plenty of high-stakes players pine after. You're very welcome. P- plenty of high-stakes players pine after one of those six-figure grand prizes. You got two of them, and then you almost got another one in the playoff challenge this past year, too. So kind of take us through the process uh, the last couple of years of what it was like watching Week 16, especially in 2018, with so much on the line, given that you had never achieved such a high grand prize like that before in your career. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great question. I, you know, I just said, really, you know, I've played, you know, off and on through the years. So, you know, sometimes, you know, a little more, sometimes a little less, and, you know, at times they all explain to people, oh, you know, I get my money back or, you know, maybe I'll win a little or I'll lose a little. And, you know, you just, you know, I think it's, you know, at times it got a little frustrating for me, um, you know, just kind of going through it because I felt like I had the knowledge and things like that. Um, but I think, um, you know, maybe over the past, like, I don't know, maybe five years, you know, and I alluded to this, you know, in a prior um, conversation, I, I just think I've, I've sort of focused a little more, um, you know, at, um, uh, you know, certain things, certain concepts and things like that, but just more being more attentive to things, um, you know, and picking out sort of little things and little pieces of information, um, you know, that can really um, help me. So, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, last year, you know, I was, I was extremely high on Mahomes, and I just, I really couldn't understand why people, you know, really weren't so into to, to, to drafting him, um, you know, watching him throw, watching him come onto the scene, I was just, I just thought, wow, that to me is like, just uh, let, you know, like, that's, it's perfect. You know, like this guy is going to be unbelievable. Um, you know, and I had, a, I had a lot of teams with him and, and the team that I won on last year, ironically enough, he wasn't on it. And that's why I was like shocked because I had a lot of, you know, I, I had a lot of Mahomes teams and I was like, wow, this, this guy's going nuts. You know, like I just, you know, like, you know, having the variations with him, I just thought, wow, this is, you know, you know, this is going to work with him. And, you know, like I said, ironically enough, the team that I won with didn't have him. It actually had, um, it had Deshaun Watson and Goff as the QBs. And I was pretty high on Goff last year as well. And I had him quite a bit and he was pretty cheap. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, um, you know, it, it was kind of interesting because like, you know, my, you know, I had a, a team lurking, but I just, I, I really wasn't sure that it would, um, you know, kind of continued to move up like it did last year. And I um, had some injuries and things like that. And luckily I had, you know, I drafted some backups and, you know, I had a very good bench on that team last year, which wasn't the case this year. Um, So, you know, like, you know, when I looked at my team last year after the fact, I thought, wow, that's, you know, as far as like roster construction here, people talk about roster construction. It was like a, you know, it was a really uh, solid lineup, and it was just, like, so well-balanced and things like that. And some of the folks in the other contests, they were, like, you know, looking at the team, and they're like, you know, you're going to win this thing. They're, that team is, like, loaded. You know, like, some of the bench players could be playing for the starters that you have, you know. And I was just like, well, I, you know, I don't really see it because, you know, as you said, from playing you know, years before, you know, you have, you know, injuries and things like that. I can't tell you how many times I had probably, you know, like a great player, and he goes down in, like, the 13th week or something or – I remember one year I had Luck and Hilton and, you know, they were going crazy every week and the 16th week, I think they, you know, he passed for like 70 yards or something, you know? So it's just, you know, I think with the experience, you understand that it, you know, that a lot of these things can go wrong, right? I mean, how many of these people in these contests have great teams and just, you know, they win a little bit of money. You don't hear anything about it, but if you looked at the team, you'd be like, Oh my God, how does that team not win? Right. So it's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of luck. There's a little bit of, you know, kind of, you know, walking your way through the maze, I guess. Um, so that was last year. And then this year, um, you know, I had a team that was just like very well constructed from a starting lineup, but my bench was terrible. And I had some really good pickups, uh, you know, as the year went on that, that really saved me. I really grinded, you know, like on the pickups and they, they really like totally saved me, you know, as far as that team goes. So I don't know if that makes sense or, um, but that's, 
that's that's kind of the you know the kind of brief synopsis i guess of you know kind of how those two went you know from a general perspective yeah no it totally makes sense it totally makes sense and and i'll ask you this too like you know for somebody like you who's been pretty accomplished winning a, a significant amount of uh, amount of money each and every year uh to to the point where you're winning six-figure grand prizes for you it was just being that you know just taking it a notch up as far as attentiveness taking it a notch up as far as you know waiver wire bids and maybe being a little bit more aggressive on that because a lot of times i think like you know people they they sit down to these high stake drafts or, or mid stake drafts or what have you and they do the draft and they're like well this team's dead in the water and you know for a small section of teams that is true but the waiver wire totally important can make or break your season and obviously uh this past year uh in 2019 Stephen, it obviously made your season being that much more just a little bit more attentive on the waiver wire made all the difference in the world to you yeah yeah no i'll, I'll give you a quick example where uh you know on my team this year i i think i had the carolina defense that was that was literally the one defense i had and i thought I just thought to myself, I said, you know, this team's going to do anything. It's not doing anything with that defense, right? They were getting gashed on the ground, you know, and, like, all, you know, the winning running backs were on, you know, the, the team, I think, going against their defense for, like, four straight weeks or six out of seven or something. It was, like, something ridiculous. But they had been good early in the year, and I thought, I thought, okay, there's 13 defenses. Oh, yeah, I have to find the one that's going to be the best out of this, and none of them were obvious. And, and I also added um, A.J. Brown. You know, somebody had dropped at A.J. Brown, so that was, like, that was massive because I had, you know, Ridley go down. And once Ridley went down, like I said, I had no depth. I just, it was like, I was shocked that I got him because I only had a certain amount of money and nobody had bid on him. You know, he had a couple of bad games and I was just, I, I literally, I remember, I remember looking at the, the wire. I was like, I had bid on like five different people and I got every one of them, you know? So, you know, kind of like you're saying, you just, you kind of never know, like sometimes you're going to get outbid and things like that, but you got to, um, you know, it is about grinding a little bit, I guess. I like it. Stephen Rannigan joining us, the fourth place uh, team in the 2019-2020 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. Of course, a winner of two separate $200,000 grand prizes in the high-stakes fantasy football industry over the last two years as well. And as we look forward to drafts this year, Stephen, in 2020, there are a ton of free agent running backs who have flooded the market, no question. If you were drafting right now, uh, like so many FFPC players are, who would you be most scared of, most scared of drafting as far as the, the running backs? And I'll give you a few examples. We don't know where any of these guys are going to be going. We don't know if Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, Kareem Hunt. We don't know if they're going to sign with the team they were with last year. We don't know if they're going to go somewhere else. We don't know what their role is going to be. So if you were drafting early right now, who would be the most scary running back to be drafting out of any of those? Or, or another running back as well. Sure. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think it kind of goes in backwards order, I guess. Um, you know, sort of, I like, I think Kareem Hunt, I love, I love the talent, but I just think with guys like that, you just can't trust them, you know, with all the stuff that's going on sort of off the field, you just, um, you know, I think it would depend on the draft price. Right. But if it was anything, you know, that was of any, you know, type of like draft equity, as they say, right. I, I don't think I would, um, I don't think I would go there in any way. I mean, I, you know, it depends, obviously, it depends on, like, kind of what your team looks like at that time, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of variables to it, but I, I don't think I'd touch that, especially if he was sticking with that team, too. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you can say, okay, yeah, you know, they released him and he went to another team. You know, you might kind of take a second look. But um, that, and I'd say, um, you know, and I think I, I probably have a blind spot with this, but I think, like, um, Drake, I'm not too – I'm not overly, like, crazy over him. I don't know – I know there's a ton of people that, you know, see a lot, you know, in him. And I think in that offense, it's great, but I just really don't see it, you know, working out quite as well, you know, but he, you know, he looked unbelievable towards the end of the year. So that might be something I might have to, you know, kind of look at further. Um, I think some of the other running backs, um, you know, that you mentioned earlier, I think, you know, I think, you know, I, I think those are, you know, definitely, you know, viable running backs that you can use like guys like Gordon and Eckler and things like that. I think, um, you know, I think, you know, although with, you know, San Diego, you don't know, you know, excuse me, you don't really know who they're going to bring in. Right. So it's like, you know, I think you got to really look at, you know, what the quarterback's going to be there. Um, and um, Henry, I, I, I've, I've been a Henry guy for five years. So <laughs> I'd be, you know, uh, all over drafting him. Just, uh, you know, I, 
think the talent has always been there. I just never think they were able to utilize the guy the right way. I mean, you could see that, um, in, in, like, in different spots. Even when he had terrible games, you could see that once he kind of got into a rhythm, you know, you'd start to see him, like, break off, like, six- and seven-yard runs, like, pretty consistently. And, um, you know, you know, certain things like that you got to look for, right? You sort of, you know, he kind of flashes and spurts, but it's sort of like – you know, I think a lot of these teams kind of hold some of these guys back, you know, whether it's system or, you know, coach belief or coach, you know, coaches guys and all that type of stuff. You know, what's bizarre to me, Stephen, and, and when we talk about these running backs here is how high FFPC drafters are, are taking these guys. Again, they're all free agents. We don't know what role or where these guys are going to end up. You look at Derrick Henry, he's going at the 108 on average. You look at Austin Eckler, 211. Kenyon Drake, 304. Melvin Gordon at the 307. You know, the guy who, who has been lowest among those has been um, Kareem Hunt, who's going at the 602. And I don't even know if I'm on board to take Kareem Hunt at the 602. So I think if I was drafting early, um, I, I think the smart decision might, especially in best ball, might be going with guys who are a little bit more set, uh, at least early in the drafts as far as what their role is going to be, as far as what team they're going to be on, as far as what's going to be expected of them. You know, I don't know if there's, there's much to gain when you're drafting guys at their potential ceiling that early in drafts. I mean, Austin Eckler, if he lands in the perfect position, is he going to be better than the 211 pick this year? I'm not so sure. But could he be a lot worse than the 211 pick? Definitely. So I think I would probably shy, be, be shying away from guys like that uh, early in drafts and, and going for guys uh, uh, that, that I think are a little bit more established, a little bit more well-known, a little bit more uh, w- where I know what they're going to perform this year. I'm fine with taking chances on guys. I'm fine with taking some risk. I don't know if it's sure. worth the risk at the top of the draft. I think it's more uh, you know, uh, likely for me, at least, to be taking risks uh, in the middle of drafts. And, and I think that's a, a lot of times where drafts have been won. I want to ask you about a certain running back that we haven't uh, talked about yet tonight. Well, not just one singular running back, but a backfield. Yeah. Um, the Redskins sure. uh, just signed. They just exercised the option on Adrian Peterson. He will be in Washington uh, under Ron Rivera in 2020. And this kind of is a little bit confusing because you know, they drafted Bryce Love and whatever it was in the fourth round last year. They still have Adrian Peterson. And obviously, their second-round pick, Darius Geis, flashed last year. So how do you handle in drafts um, this Washington running back situation if you were drafting right now? And just to let uh, everybody behind the curtain, as far as an ADP goes for these uh, Washington running backs, Darius Geis is going on average at the 609 Adrian Peterson, on average, is going at the 1907. Bryce Love is going, on average, at the 2203. And I I guess I could bring up Chris Thompson as well, as long as we're talking about him. He's going, on average, at the 2112. So you're looking at Thompson, Love, Adrian Peterson, all going very late. Darius Geis going in the sixth round. How would you handle this? Would you be taking a stab late on the Washington running backs, or do you like the price of Darius Geis right now? Yeah, definitely not not into Peterson. I mean, I just, I don't really see that as, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably pretty common sentiment amongst, you know, people that, you know, again, I could be wrong. He could go crazy next year. Um, yeah. I think with Geis, I think it's, you know, like, you know, obviously the talents there, he's got like that history, right. You know, you know, you know, the injury history and things like that, but I think it's, you know, he's one of those guys where it's just, it's a pure, like, uh, you know, it's like, again, it's like, you know, flip a coin, right. It's either going to work or it isn't. And I think, you know, you, you know, once you brought up his name, it made me think of the times when I, I draft two teams and I draft guys on both the teams and he'd go down in the first week and my whole season's over, right? So that's why, you know, I think, you know, if you can draft multiple teams, right, you sometimes can say, you know what, I can take a chance here on guys on, you know, whatever, 10% of them or five, you know, whatever the number is that you're doing, right, you know, based on, you know, different things, right? But, um, but yeah, I do definitely, um, you know, I could see, you know, guys being a value, um, again, it's risky though, right? So it could, you know, that's one of those ones where it could just kind of swing either way. And I, you know, I think some of the late, you know, late running backs, there's always value there, right? It's just, you know, kind of like, you know, how does it all fit in, right? You know, as far as the, the system and things like that and, you know, kind of, you know, injuries or, you know, kind of how are things looking, you know, for them as an offense. 
Stephen Rannigan, the fourth-place team in the 2019-2020 FFPC Playoff Challenge, joining us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week. Eric Balkman coming at you. I want to talk a a little bit about uh, the 2020 draft specifically. You know, we've had them going off at the FFPC for a little over a month now. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the ADP. That's fine. If you have, if you haven't, that's cool. But what I want to get into uh, is, is, okay, perfect. So, Stephen, a guy that, that you think is being overdrafted or at least will be overdrafted when we get deep into drafting season by FFPC players, and then conversely, who's a mid-round, maybe a late-round sleeper that you think is going to fly under, uh, under the radar that could actually pay off big time for any FFPC players that draft them late? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and I mean, this isn't, you know, like I, I looked at some ADP quickly over the past like week or so very, very quickly. Um you know, you know, someone that I'm just never, ever into is, you know, I think Beckham, you know, I think he'll be, you know, overvalued. Um, again, it could work out, you know, um, you know, that's just someone I see. Um, guys like, you know, and this is really, and this is just someone, that, and I, sometimes there's, there's great players that are out there and I just won't draft them. I just like, um, and someone who I think that actually is um, Ezekiel Elliott. I just, I won't, I just won't draft them. And I have at times and it's just, it just never seems to work out, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen that where, you know, somebody may win something with him and then, but, you know, whatever it is, you know, a reason for, you know, you just, you know, you had him one year and then he gets hurt or, you know, you have him in the playoffs and they go up like 40 to nothing and he just, you know, he doesn't do anything for you, right? So, and I mean, his, you know, the line is unbelievable. I think that there's other backs that could do the exact same thing that he does. Um, and that would lead me to another overvalued guy who I think is Le'Veon Bell. And I've thought that for a while, same thing, um, you know, great. I think he's a really, really good pass catcher, but I think both those guys, you know, I think, you know, and it's sort of a useless comment, I guess, because right. They, they run behind the offensive lines they run to, but you know, when I look at them as pure runners, I just see them. I mean, obviously Elliot's a good runner, but to me, I see him as like a little bit overrated. So I just, am always just like, you know what, I'm just, you know, if he goes off and he's, you know, the MVP or something, then fine, I'll deal with it. And I'll just, you know, uh, you know, I'll just kind of go with that. But, um, you know, I'd say that I'd say, um, um, you know, I think the Niners running backs, I think, I think they'll be sort of a little bit kind of, kind of overvalued, um, you know, in some ways, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I just think, you know, you'll see them overdrafted, you know, and I think in some instances it may be, maybe okay. But I mean, guys like Kevin Coleman, you know, just never, you, you know, it's, you know, guys like him, I think he can, you know, yeah, there'll be some year he may put it all together, right? But it's more, you know, it's like, you know, you can see him get going for one or two games and then he's out. He's out of the game on the third play of the game, right? Because he's injured, right? And I, I just don't know if it's like, you know, soft tissue injuries or they're, you know, you know, it's just, you know, some, you know, underlying issue or whatever. But it's like you can almost predict it like clockwork, you know, um, you know, with guys like him. But, you know, I'd say the first two are probably a little more surprising, Um you know, but then at some point, those guys like Bell, they drop so far that they become a value, too. So it's sort of a, you know, it's sort of a situational thing, right? So let me ask you about that, Stephen, because Le'Veon Bell, to me, and he just keeps sinking like a stone. Uh, right now in FFPC best balls, he's the running back 18 at, in the early fourth round. He's going on average off at the 401, right behind Todd Gurley and Devin Singletary, right ahead of Chris Carson, DeAndre Swift. Uh, the, the, well, he will be a rookie out of Georgia. Uh, he's going in the early fourth round, too. Le'Veon Bell slipping to the fourth round. This is a dude who's going in the mid to late first last year is that enough of a value for you to get in business with Le'Veon Bell or is he still not plunged far enough for you to want to draft him yeah I think it's um you know I was going to comment about this it comes down to two I think is roster construction so how does your roster look like at that point right and you know sometimes I've done that where you know I may have a player that I don't really care for but you know I know like okay you know I'm you know you, you know you're sort of like cornered or you're you know, you say, okay, well, you know, that guy may fit this roster, you know, you know, something like that. So, you know, I think in spots it could, but, you know, I have these blind spots, you know, with certain players, good and bad, and I think it helps me in some instances, and it's hurt me too, right? But, you know, like a guy like him, I just, you know, like I see some of the off-field stuff, like, you know, making rap videos and stuff like that. It just doesn't seem to me like he's that devoted to what he's doing, and, you know, he – I, you know, I think the pass catching, he's great. You know, I, I think if, you know, if, if he was on the right team that could utilize him in certain ways, you know, he could, you know, 
you know, probably have a really good year. But, you know, I think that's something, you know, like you said, I'll probably be trying to watch and see, you know, how far he falls to, to, to kind of determine that. Um, Steven, you, you, we, we obviously talked about your $12,500 payday in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, but you also have $400,000 over the last year and a half as well uh, from various national contest championships. Have you, number one, have you spent any of that money? Do you have any plans for that money? And, and how do you uh, picture yourself blowing all that cash, that great windfall that, uh, that you were able to take advantage of thanks to your fantasy prowess? Yeah, I really haven't spent much of it. I mean, I just, like, paid off, like, you know, bills, you know, that were, you know, kind of stupid nagging bills and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, re- I really haven't thought about, um, you know, expending it. You know, I got, uh, you know, I thought about, you know, maybe joining, like, a private country club just because it's, you know, you know makes oh, yeah. life a little bit easier, you know, <laughs> you know, instead of, like, trying to find, like, public course tea times and stuff like that. Because that, you know, that, you know, to me, if it were price right, you know, would be, like, a value to me. But it's, um, yeah, I mean... You know, I've I said this before. It's really like the money part of it. It's like it's cool, but it's just the fact of doing it. Like it's, you know, something I thought I could always do, and then you know, doing it. It's more like a, I guess, like a goal, right? We all have goals, you know. You, you know, and and obviously, the, you know, you have career goals, personal goals, and you know, you just have stuff like this. It's just fun, but you know, it was just, you know, it was just like a quirky goal of mine, you know. And I, you know, and I reached that, and that was that was really rewarding for me. So. I'm sure I'll figure out something with the money, but you know, in all 100% honesty, I just uh, you know, it doesn't that part of it doesn't affect me as much as honestly just doing it. Good for you, man. That and and I think I would have the same approach to you as well. You know, it's to consider it a uh, an achievement that many people never even get to uh, enjoy once, and you now you've done it twice in the span of a year and a half, almost into three times in the span of a year and a half. And I'm sure much more success is uh, going to come your way down the road too, as well. Hey, I want to get into some uh, fantasy news around the NFL. You bet. Uh, as uh, we come into the final third of the show here, I want to thank football guys, Roto world and Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's get into this report from the Cleveland plain do- dealer. Excuse me. Jarvis Landry had hip surgery. He's expected to miss the next six to eight months. He had surgery uh, two and a half weeks ago, so he's uh, questionable for training camp, obviously. And week one is uh, far from a given at this point as well. The team does expect him to be ready for the Browns season opener. And and Landry obviously has has always battled through injuries uh, and surgery recoveries with aplomb. He's been very good with that. But... When you're coming back from major surgery, um, you know, everybody's human, except for Adrian Peterson, I think, uh, is, is the only one who's not. Uh, Landry's operation, quote, shaved down some cartilage, removed two pieces of bone embedded in the labrum of his left hip. Okay, so this is interesting now as far as how you handle him in drafts now, Steven. And, and as I look at the FFPC ADP and, and how um, those FFPC drafters are handling Jarvis Landry, and again, this, this ADP, it's some of these drafts happened prior to the surgery being announced, but he's going at the 707 in FFPC drafts right now. He's going right behind uh, Julian Edelman and Michael Gallup, right ahead of A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. Does that seem too high, too low, or just right to you, given what we know with Jarvis Landry right now with this surgery? Yeah, no, I think um, I, I can't imagine him falling any farther than that, you know, based on, you know, like the skills and, you know, just, you know, like, you know, like a great receiver, great hands and things like that, you know, not probably a little more separation speed than most people think, but it's like, I think it's, um, you know, I like, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that's fairly priced. And, you know, like, as you say, as you monitor, monitor the news and things like that, like, I feel like he's one of those guys that's like a good asset to a team, right? He could be sort of a piece of your team that, you know, maybe wasn't like a huge element or factor in that, but like a nice driving force each week, you know? News out of the uh, Pacific Northwest, too, this week, as uh, the Seattle Seahawks have signed a new tight end. It is Greg Olson, one year, $7 million, according to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio. It is a uh, $5.5 million guaranteed deal, so certainly uh, 
Greg Olson did well for himself uh, on this deal. He is not going to be an announcer. He's not going to be working in the media for at least one more season. He turns 35 in March and uh, obviously was saddled with some foot issues uh, over the course of his career, especially the last two seasons. They didn't really come into play last year. Uh, 52 catches, 597 yards, two touchdowns, 11 and a half yards a catch. And all that was with basically catching balls 90% of the time from one Kyle Allen. Now, Seattle loves to utilize the tight ends. We saw what Jacob Hollister did last season down the stretch. We saw what Will Disley did uh, last season with Seattle and a couple of years ago what Jimmy Graham did uh, with the double-digit touchdowns as well. So if he does stay healthy, uh, you look at Greg Olson this year, uh, Stephen, certainly it might be a, a pretty good value. Now, again, the ADP is not reflective uh, on him signing with Seattle, but he was going at tight end 31 in the 20th round. He is going to move way up. At what point does Greg Olson in the draft cease to become a value? Is it round 15? Is it round 10? Is it something higher than that? What's the earliest you would look at Greg Olson now that you know he's going to be catching passes from Russell Wilson for the Seahawks? Yeah, I think you know. I think if he went any higher than like those numbers you had stated, I think that would probably be sort of a little ambitious, right? But um, um, yeah, no, I think um, you know, I I think he could fit, you know, you know, depending on um, you know, kind of what your roster looks like at that time. But he's, you know, I mean, he's always been a, you know, as long as he can stay on the field, he's always been a, um, you know, he's always been a good tight end. And I think the thing with him, right? You look at um what he's had to deal with his whole career. I mean, I think Cam Newton is probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks. I mean, and in fantasy, that doesn't mean anything because he puts up great fantasy numbers. But, I mean, you look at the accuracy. I mean, some of those playoff games they've been in, I mean, he's just – I mean, you or I at times could probably be more accurate. I mean, he's, there'll be a, a, a tight end wide open 11 yards downfield, and it's – I mean, it's not two feet over his head. It's six feet over his head, you know. So, um, you know, I, I think he'll benefit, obviously, from – you know, a lot, uh, you know, a lot more proficient quarterback, you know, in Russell Wilson. So, I like it, and, and I'm, I'm probably in agreement with you. You know, it's, it's so funny. I was ready to cut Greg Olson in some of my dynasty leagues. I'm like, ah, just hang on, see what happens. And now I, I, I'm not expecting a ton from him this year, but if I get a third-round rookie pick for him this right, uh, at this point right now, I'd probably be pretty yeah. happy just to see what, uh, yeah. what, what that rookie could give me because I kind of know what Greg Olson's going to give me. I want to shift back to the focus right. of the Cleveland Browns here. Report coming out from Jake Trotter on Twitter saying that uh, Alex Van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, says he's going to be changing Baker Mayfield's footwork in this offseason, specifically in the three-step drops in the shotgun. He has his right foot in front currently, but uh, Van Pelt thinks that uh, makes his footwork not so good when he's dropping back, which probably has led to some accuracy issues, which we've already seen on the field with Mayfield. Now, obviously, they're going to change some other stuff to his game, and the offense is going to be different. You know, we don't know when Landry's going to be coming back as well. Mayfield took a big step back in 2019, but he could be a big bounce-back candidate uh, with... Beckham and Njoku and Landry and Nick Chubb and everybody like that around him in 2020. Mayfield, a guy who at uh, certain points last year, Stephen, was going off as the quarterback for an FFPC draft. He has fallen quite a bit this year. And if you want to draft Baker Mayfield, you don't have to soak a huge pick into it. He's going off as QB 15 in the early 10th round. And to me, um, I don't know what quarterbacks are going to be on this year. But I feel like I'm going to have a lot of Baker Mayfield at that point, given how low he's going in drafts and given what his ceiling could be. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, with him, like, you know, you look at a lot of athletes in different sports and they've won at every level, right? You know, there's different, um, you know, hockey players, you know, that have won Stanley Cups and, you know, different sports where, you know, it's weird. Some of them you find out, like, five years into their career, someone say, oh, yeah, he won – you know, I knew him in high school, and he won everything in high school and won everything in college. And everybody would think most athletes are like that, which I don't think they are. Um, but I think he's, you know, he's kind of won at every level and really excelled at every level. So, I mean, I think you worry a little bit about the height, but, I mean, there's different ways to, you know, kind of work around that, I think. And I think, you know, working with someone, I don't know that much about Van Pelt, but I know, you know, he's, you know I think he's like sort of like a QB guru or something. Um, but, um you know, I think it. You know, I think that could really, um, you know, could really help him. You know, so I think. So I think you're spot on with that. 
Yeah, he was a uh, Van Pelt. Obviously, was a um, he was a backup quarterback in the NFL for the better part of a half decade, uh, maybe even more than a half decade. And he actually spent, I think, a little bit more than five years as the quarterbacks coach in Green Bay uh, under Aaron Rodgers. And and Rodgers actually, when when the Packers parted ways with Van Pelt, was not happy uh, to. Van Pelt go so I know that um, Aaron Rodgers was a big fan of him we'll see what he can do with Baker Mayfield in 2020 certainly the sky is the limit there no question let's talk uh, let's keep it in the same division here and talk a little AJ Green here uh, because Zach Taylor the head coach of the Bengals says that Cincinnati actually wants to keep AJ Green on the roster in 2020 according to pro football talk on NBCSports.com read the quote from Zach Taylor here we're still working through that process He's a guy that we are excited about to be a part of this team first and foremost, but right now we expect him to be a part of the team. So right now, obviously, things can change, and, and things will because A.J. Green's a, a free agent. But when you consider what, what A.J. Green brings to the table from a fantasy angle, he's going to be 30 years old before the start of the season. Over the last 64 games, um, over the past four seasons, he's only been playing in 35 of them, and and that's including games that he left early due to injury. So as we look at it from a, a fantasy standpoint, uh, uh, Stephen, you look at A.J. Green, FFPC drafters are letting him go off at the 8.01 right now in, uh, in drafts, right behind Gallup and Jarvis Landry, right ahead of Christian Kirk, John Brown, and Marquise Brown. Sky's the limit for A.J. Green, but would you still want to get in business with some, somebody like him in the early eighth round, given his age and his injury history and the unknown of where he's going to be playing in 2020? Uh, I would probably say probably not, just because I think, you know, um, you know, I think, you know, I think, and this is just a guess really, but with, I think Zach Taylor, he came from like the Ram system, and I think they, you know, they like to sort of spread it around to sort of multiple receivers, multiple facets of the offense right so I could see him bringing some of that offense and I think you know I think they have some talent there wide receiver right I mean whether or not they're ready from a fantasy perspective or you know maybe more from a football perspective or whatever you know kind of doing some different things and uh you know putting up some numbers right but um yeah I mean I think that could work out but I you know I don't you know I think it's risky right um but you know he I think he again is another one of those guys I think if it you know, if it fell sort of too much, you know, it would be worth it. I, I thought about it this year with him, but, you know, luckily I never kind of, kind of went that way. But, um, you know, you know, with him, I look at him, he's got a, he's got a ton of heart, you know, you can see that he plays the game the right way. Right. So, you know, as far as like rehabbing or something, whereas other guys like Beckham or something, right. I mean, I hate to be harping on that, but you know, it's like, you know, you know, a guy like that that has so much heart is going to really work hard and come back and, um, you know, play hard and, you know, play, you know, play the game the right way, I guess. Final aspect, uh, our final point I want to make before we get to the listener emails tonight is uh, up in Minnesota from Tom Pelissaro from NFL Network. He says it's currently a long shot for the Vikings to get rid of Stephon Diggs, um, uh, who has been very public about his frustration with his role in the offense, especially with Kirk Cousins. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the Vikings want to get rid of him. You know, Stephon Diggs scrubbed all the Vikings references off his social media this past week. And, and Minnesota obviously, you know, made it to the final eight last year. Uh, got, got, you know, they lost to San Francisco, but who didn't lose to San Francisco outside of Kansas City this past year? I don't know if they'd be in the business of wanting to trade uh, a dynamic talent like uh, Stephon Diggs. Um, Tom Palacero is reporting that he thinks NFL teams will call the Vikings to see what they're looking for for Diggs. He doesn't expect Diggs to go anywhere in Minnesota. However, from a fantasy angle, this could always uh, serve to be a detriment to him achieving his full fantasy value. He is going off at the 505 in FFPC drafts right now, wide receiver 18. What are your thoughts, uh, Stephen, on Stephon Diggs, assuming he does stay in Minnesota next year and assuming that the Vikings keep these distractions to a minimum? Yeah, you know, I... I guess I kind of go kind of like kind of similar to what, what I talked about earlier with some of the other receivers. Like I look, uh, you know, I think there's a guy, uh, the guru, John Hanson, you know, he talks about body language, right? Like I like to to look at that and I'll, to, you know, to me, like I look at him with cousins and I, I just, I see no chemistry there. Right. Um, you know, whether or not cousins is still there, it seems like he will be right. And, um, you know, unless something changes from like a, you know, like a scheme perspective or something, I really don't see, um, 
you know, I don't really see him kind of doing better than than what he's already shown. I mean, it was kind of interesting. I remember his rookie year, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll play in these local Yahoo leagues, and someone picked him up, and I thought, man, I was like, I, I'd never really heard that much about him, you know, like before he kind of came onto the scene, you know. And, um, you know, not that that means anything, but it was just sort of – he just sort of came on, you know, and looked great, and then sort of – I feel like every year since he's sort of had like a couple of years, but he's like – he strikes me as like inconsistent. I think, I think people fall in love with, Oh yeah, go look at his Twitter page. He's working out like crazy or something. It seems to me like, you know, some of that self-promotion, you got to kind of be able to analyze that and sort of look at all the angles. Right. So I I guess that would be my take on that. I want to, uh, I don't know how many uh, emails uh, we're going to get to tonight here, but my goal is two here in the next few minutes as as we're about six minutes from closing out the show tonight. First email tonight is from uh, Dave in Deerfield Beach, Florida. He writes, hey, Balky and Steven, which running back would you rather draft this season, Chris Carson or Devin Singletary? And I think this is interesting. Because, by the way, thank you for the email, Dave, uh, in Florida, in Deerfield Beach. I want to uh, bring this up because Chris Carson is actually going fairly close to where Devin Singletary is going this season uh, in FFPC best balls, at least right now. Chris Carson going off as RB19 uh, at the 402 and uh, then you look at Devin Singletary, and he is actually going off as RB17. So two running backs higher at the 312. So if you want one of these guys, Steven, uh, you're probably only going to be get, getting one of them unless you know, you're on the, on the turn there and, and you can somehow get both of them, uh, which is entirely possible. But if you can only pick one, are you going with Carson or are you going with Singletary? Boy, that's a tough one. That, uh, whew, that's... That's pretty close. I think I would, um, I think I would, you know, would probably lean towards Singletary just based on, um, he looks pretty dynamic. He looks, um, you know, to be kind of a big part of that offense. Right. Um, yeah, I would probably go there. It's pretty close. I would think, but, um, you know, you know, and he's, I think both of them are unknown. You know, I think both of them haven't hit maybe what they're gonna, you know, eventually hit possibly. So, um, but I think I'd probably lean a little more towards Singletary. I think. I, I first of all, I'm I'm in agreement with you, and the reason why is because you are looking at a situation where Singletary is he doesn't have to contend with Frank Gore at least right not not right now. He's Gore is a free agent, and I forget who the um, the other running back is, the former rugby player that Sean McDermott was actually recently uh, talking up, and I can't remember what. Ah, oh, this is going to drive me nuts. Uh, but anyway it's not anybody that great. And then you're looking at TJ Yeldon. Okay, so that, that's the competition for Devin Singletary. Who's competition for Chris Carson? Well, not only does he have to stay healthy, but he's also trying to fend off a first-round pick in Rashad Penny. So I, I think for me, when you're splitting hairs, when you're picking at nits, uh, I look at the, the, the supporting cast there, and I think that uh, Singletary definitely has less of a threat to touches than Chris Carson would. So I would actually go Singletary there as well. Totally in agreement of you. I want to get to one more email before we have to call it tonight, and that is from Tyler in Bristol, Pennsylvania. He writes, I know it seems nuts, but am I crazy to draft Devontae Parker over Calvin Ridley right now? Thanks, dudes, and thank you, Tyler, in Bristol, Pennsylvania, for the email. Always appreciate that. So it's coming down to him. He likes Devontae Parker, uh, the uh, breakout Miami Dolphins receiver, over Calvin Ridley right now. They're both going at the 5'11", wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21 in FFPC best ball drafts right now. If you can only pick one, Stephen, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Parker or is it going to be Ridley? Oh, man, that's another close one. Uh, I'd, I'd probably say Parker. It looks like, you know, someone that's, you know, had a ton of potential and ton of um, upside and then, you know, just, you know, sort of might just be clicking with him now, right? Or I don't know if there was injuries there or something, but um, I kind of like that offense too. They have, you know, a few other good receivers and things like that. So I think kind of for them, right, it's like, you know, as far as like that whole, you know, positive regression, right? There's probably, there's nowhere to go but up almost or laterally or slightly up. So I think that's one way to look at it. Yeah, and I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, you saw Preston Williams uh, get hurt last year, and he was obviously crushing it. And when he got hurt, then you saw Parker take the big leap forward. Um, So there's some question, well, was Parker's breakout only a function of Preston Williams being hurt? Well, maybe, but you got to remember, 
Parker is the pedigreed guy there. Williams was the undrafted free agent, and uh, Parker was the guy that developed all this chemistry while Wilson was, or excuse me, while Williams was being hurt. So I, you know, I think you look at the end of the fifth round. If you're uncomfortable with that uh, narrative, then don't take Parker, and then definitely take Ridley. That's fine. But I think Parker represents a certain amount of upside. You know, the fact that I think the Miami's probably still going to be throwing quite a bit this year. And then you look conversely, Ridley's not the number one on his team. You know, Julio Jones is still the number one guy there. So as much as you might like Ridley over Parker, and some people do, you still have to combat that. And there's a chance that Parker's the number one, Ridley's the number two, and then who would you rather take when, when it's about the same? I'm not sure what I would do there, but I think I'm leaning towards Parker as well over Ridley. So certainly something to be paying attention to. I'm sure the ADP will fluctuate as the season goes on. Hey, we're still in late February. A lot can happen. We're going to cover it all right here. Thanks to great minds like Stephen Rannigan, a winner of nearly a half million dollars over the last year and a half in high stakes fantasy football contests. Of course, the fourth place uh, team in the world famous FFPC playoff challenge this past season. Stephen, I want to thank you for hopping aboard tonight and uh, hanging out with me on a Friday night late in February talking fantasy football. Always good to catch up with you, my man. Congrats on all the success, and I wish you nothing but the best in 2020. Yeah, hey, thank you very much. Just a couple of things. I, w- I want to thank your company. Go ahead. They've been nothing but Yeah, no, I think they've been nothing but great, you know, for, for folks like me and probably for many other players where, you know, you know, it was late or something and, you know, there was a deadline and I said, look, I can't get this in and, you know, folks like Chris and Alex are just like, don't worry about it. We'll put it in and, you know, you know, we'll work with, you know, uh, you know, whatever the timelines are and things like that. So, you know, like I said, the site's great. You know, you guys are awesome. And um, I think you need to hi- hire Howard Bender as your promoter or something, man. That guy, he's, uh, <laughs> he gets, he gets so excited when you get on the show, but you no, know, I feel like I'm on with like a, uh, you know, like a star when I'm talking to you. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, we've had, various email conversations and things like that. So, you know, I know you're very well respected in the industry and, um, you know, it was an honor to speak with you. And, you know, like I said, I, you know, enjoy your product and everything. So it's great. Well, Stephen, kind words from you. That's, that's awesome. Certainly, uh, I, I, you know, for all the listeners, take it with a grain of salt. One of us has won nearly a half million dollars. The other has not. So we know where the fantasy expertise came on the show tonight. Uh, dude, but in all seriousness, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Congratulations on uh, all your success. And who knows, maybe you're going to be cashing the main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, or the Playoff Challenge uh, this upcoming season. You're on a heater right now, man. Don't give that up. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Stephen, we'll talk to you again real soon, dude. Thanks again. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Stephen Rannigan, ladies and gentlemen, the fourth-place team in the FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge this past season, obviously cashing in a pair of $200,000 grand prizes in the fantasy industry. You do not get heavy hitters on like this uh, any other day of the week or any other podcast, Uh, so certainly great to talk with Stephen tonight and uh, look forward to uh, him being at the top of the leaderboards again this season. You know, if you see him in your draft room, uh, with the Football Guys Players Championship, the main event, or, or you know, a classic, a best ball or whatever, be wary and be paying attention to who he's choosing because he definitely knows his stuff as he came through with, uh, with all of that tonight. That is going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Stephen Rannigan for coming on the program tonight. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you who tuned in live and who are streaming, downloading, listening live. Uh, I'll always appreciate that. Dave will be back. Next Friday at 10, 9 central, we will uh, be able to um, talk to him again and uh, find out uh, how his big weekend was. I I believe he's on the West Coast again this week. Uh, So we'll talk to him about that uh, next week. I want to check, remind you, check out those best ball slim uh, leagues that we just launched this past week. Um, Actually, just today, this morning, Friday morning. Uh, 18 rounds, no kickers, no defenses. You wanted it, you got it, baby. Dynasty Orphans available, main event early bird available as well. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. 
You know, just thinking about back on, on, on the show tonight, if there's, I think if there's one thing to take away from Steven Rannigan, this is a guy who has been playing the FFPC, the Football Guys Players Championship, many other contest formats for many, many years. And for whatever reason, over the last uh, year and a half, he, he cashed big in 2018, cashed huge in 2019. And when you ask a guy like that, you know, what was the difference? Because you've basically been the successful high-stakes player for many, many years until you took it to a new level uh, in 2018 and 2019. What was the difference? You know, what, what did you change? And he, he basically said, I didn't change much. And, you know, it was very minor tweaks. I just was a little bit more attentive. I had my ears a little bit more open. I was a little bit more aggressive on the waiver wire. And sometimes, um, you know, that's all it takes. You you feel like you have a bad draft. You feel like you um, weren't as successful as you wanted to be uh, early in the season. Keep grinding. Keep going away. And it's it's good advice for life, too. You know, if you're not liking where you're at in in a certain part of your life or a certain part of your fantasy season, I think just that little extra effort can make all the difference in the world. Something to keep in mind when you're uh, paying attention to those uh, waiver wires, uh, setting those lineups uh, later on in the season in 2020 could be the difference, um, you know, between not cashing and, and cashing a six-figure grand prize. You never know. Thanks so much for listening. Always appreciate all you guys uh, tuning in each and every week. We'll be back next week. Have a great February weekend.